Hello and welcome to season one. I'm Andrew. I'm Presley. And this is episode three. We're going to be covering Pan Am today. So we're going to cover the synopsis of the show. We're going to talk about the things we liked about the show, what we didn't like about the show, hopefully argue a little bit. <laughs> and that is our specialty, I feel like. It is kind of our specialty. Um, it's what we're, what we're known for. Some people bake really good pies. We have arguments that our friends hate us for. Presley, why don't you tell us about the show? Yeah, so uh, spoiler warning for everyone who chooses uh, to not have watched the show prior, which we will always say, but is always the case. So just be always ready for spoilers. Um, Okay, so Pan Am is a period drama focused on the height and power of Pan American Airlines, the now defunct uh, airline company that existed in the 1960s, 70s. Uh, The show follows the crew of the new flagship airplane of the fleet for stewardesses, Laura, played by Margot Robbie, Maggie, played by Christina Ricci, Kate, played by Kelly Gardner, and Colette, played by Kareen Vaness. And the two lead pilots, uh, Dean, played by Mike Vogel, and Ted, Michael Mosley. As we go through the series, we discover that Maggie, with the help of her sister Kate, ran away from the altar at her wedding. Kate is an asset for the CIA and MI6, helping to spy and steal secrets from the passengers on the flight. Colette is a French orphan who survived the Nazis and the Holocaust. Maggie is a headstrong, stubborn, and clever woman who shows the others the beauty of travel and having fun. Dean is recovering from being abandoned by his fiancée, Bridget, who we later find out is also a CIA asset, who was in danger and had to go and assume a new identity to protect herself. And Ted is working to find a wife and was pushed out of the army after his father's test plane failed and refused to acknowledge it to the military. As the series continues, everyone becomes involved in various large and small-scale political happenings of the 1960s and 1963, more importantly. The show concludes with Dean and Colette in a relationship as she discovers she has a long-lost brother who survived the Holocaust. Maggie enters into the smuggling trade with another Pan-American pilot. Laura and Ted get together as Ted breaks off his engagement to an older lover who wants to marry him to cover up for her sexual identity. And Laura becomes a future model for Andy Warhol. Finally, Kate becomes a full-fledged agent of the CIA. Who would have thought this show would be so buckwild and full of crazy stuff? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I really just didn't expect a lot of the things that happened. Um, you know, it felt pretty boilerplate it felt like it was gonna just be oh you know these these people just travel and uh you know we kind of insert them into the the political happenings as you said of like 1963 you know jfk and things like that um and then it's just kind of this like fantasy drama type thing uh but they kind of like really got into things they really got into some like hot button issues and kind of like got a little political political themselves and and really touched on some stuff and kind of tugged at the at the mind a little bit more than i expected not at your heartstrings though oh definitely my heartstrings <laughs> dude yeah a little bit a little bit well i just think like it you know i just read that whole synopsis and it took me like 10 minutes to write up because every time i would write a new sentence i'd realize that there was another character going through yep. something equally as buck wild and I was like, oh, yeah, she was a CIA asset. Oh, yeah, but then Laura has her nudes, and she is recruited by Andy Warhol mm-hmm. on the day that JFK gets assassinated. Mm-hmm. It's just like they, they do a pretty good job of layering all of the stuff together. Um, and what a star-studded cast, in my yeah. opinion. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like this is, I think was one of Margot Robbie's first things. I mean, Christina Ricci is, is famous for being Wednesday Adams in the, um, the live action original Adams films. And, um, you know, uh, Ted, I think was in scrubs. Michael Mosley was in scrubs and a few yeah, he's other, been in a bunch a of stuff. other shows, a bunch yeah. of stuff. Um, you know, I personally hadn't seen Kelly Gardner or, um, Karen Vaness in anything or well, even Mike Vogel personally, but I know that they have all been in pretty successful shows. Karen Vaness is uh, a prominent voice actress. She, she, she does a lot of voice actress stuff. Mm-hmm. I was looking over her IMDb and I have heard her voice without realizing it yeah. in a variety of games because also in the show, she does not sound like she does in the show. She's like putting on right. a fake French accent. She sounds right. like a, a Canadian American who speaks French. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, man. Yeah. This, this show was honestly great. Really yeah. Great. Let's get it out you of the know? way right now. We both like, kind of thought this show slapped. Ah. Uh, Dude, I, yeah, l- yeah, let's get it, there's not going to be a ton of, maybe, maybe, if we get into the weeds, we might argue a little bit, but I think we're, we're going to mostly argue. agree, you know, on a lot of this stuff, but um, all of the character development I thought was wonderful. They all had their own, like, little arcs, you know, um, you know, Laura kind of learning to be a confident woman who does what she wants and learning her thing, you know, she broke off her engagement, so she kind of learns to just then for herself and live the life she wants to live instead of just living the life her parents want her to live. Um, you know, Kate takes the opportunity to, um, get involved in something that means a little more right with the CIA, MI six type of stuff. And, um, you know, Maggie gets involved in politics. Uh, we see her really fangirling over JFK and trying to meet him with anything she can. She worked on his campaign. Yeah, that was um, a fun storyline. I like that one. It was a really fun storyline. Her like trying to sneak into the party and, and meet him and, and getting a wave uh, from Air Force, Air Force One when she brought him treats or something. Um, she bought him you know, Cuban cigarettes. Yeah, which, Cuban cigarettes. Or cigars. Right. Or yeah. cigarettes. Cigars, cigars, yeah. Wow. Um, light me up for that. Yeah. Uh, get at Presley in the comments for that. Um, yeah. No, and you know, have you have Colette working on, um, you know, right at the end, it was a cliffhanger. She finds out that she has a brother. She was an orphan, um, you know, during... Well, she thought she was an only child, right? Yeah, she thought she was an only child, um, orphaned during um, during World War II. And she, de- her dealing with her trauma and dealing with, um, you know, the things she saw, experienced, and felt, um, it was very, very, very deep. Um, you know, Dean has his relationship and I realize I'm like going further with a synopsis, but this this is just the character development that I always love to see was just so alive in this. Um, you know, Dean struggling with his relationship and things like that. Ted trying to figure out what he wants and who he wants to be with and find something more in a relationship. And I don't know, dude, it was just incredible. All their chemistry was good. And you got to see them. You just got to see all those like little individual relationships happen, which which, you know, in other shows that we've we've talked about and watched kind of failed to do. The show just they had it. They did such a good job. Yeah, I think it it speaks to the quality when you are able to understand the dynamics almost all the time of every character's relationship with every other character. Yep. Right? There there's very little ambiguity. Now there are some characters that don't get to interact as much with each other that could have been interesting, but as you saw, like we gave you the barest possible bone synopsis in our synopsis. And it's still insane how much they cram into this show in 13 episodes or Mm -hmm. 14 episodes, one of the two. And 
it's wild to me that they were so efficient with what they did, right? Because they are tackling not only just interesting stories for these characters, but also like big political heavy hitting topics as you alluded to. And, you know, I, I have a cursory knowledge of the year of 1963, but everything that I could possibly have known about it was tackled in this. And then some more because like, Mm -hmm. there's a great episode where they land in Haiti uh, because a passenger's having a heart attack and they, they, encounter the Haitian rebel uprising, which was a real thing where like the Haitian leader was deposed and attacked by the rebels. And then there was a retaliation against the rebels and like they find dead people all over the ground as they're looking for a doctor. It's just like insane that this drama about the, the people working at Pan Am, like it's, yeah. it, I laugh because it is kind of an absurd idea. Like I can see them going into the writer's room, like we're going to write this great, uh, drama <laughs> about these four stewardesses and two pilots who, uh, you know, just have a great time on Pan American, the the most beautiful, amazing airline. And then it just like, and then one of them's a spy, and <laughs> one of them survived the Holocaust, yeah, and one of them yep. is a nude model for Andy Warhol. And it's just like, it's it's kind of amazing that it was so crazy in a fun way that is enjoyable. It do, it doesn't get tedious at all. Yeah, yeah. No, I think they did. I think they did a fantastic job, like taking those little bits of of history that you know, we sometimes learned about, you know, some of us learned about in in school and whatnot and weaving that into their story very well. It didn't ever feel because of how they developed the characters and the scenery of the show. um, Well, it feels like the characters are supposed to be where they are. Right. I think that's like what you're getting at where like, it, it doesn't surprise me that they are here for this amazing event, right? Because they are the flagship new plane of the fleet going yeah. to these big important yeah. meetings as ambassadors for the airline because mm-hmm. that's what the airlines used to do, right? And yeah. I was talking, my dad was alive during this time and I was asking him kind of uh, secretly about what Pan Am was actually like. And he was very adamant that it was pretty much like this, right? The one <laughs> thing that he hated about it, which they don't really cover in the show that much, was the smoking, non-smoking thing because there were smoking sections of the plane and non-smoking sections of the plane, but you're in a plane. It's so one plane. Everywhere is a social, like, you know, there's, it's a smoking you can't section. separate it. Yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> and he was complaining about how the people in first class would be eat before the people in, uh, you know, economy. And then people would have their post uh, food cigarette, right? And then he'd be eating while people were smoking in front of him and always discussing it. It was just funny, right? Because it's like, that is what happened. That's what it was like. And it's, it's a fun twist of the brain to go into that headspace that period of time. It is. Yeah. It's so interesting too, to think about how different and like shiny and star studded this experience was for flyers. Now we're like sardines packed into (laughs) a metal tin and everybody's just like, get me off of this thing. If anybody goes crazy and we are delayed for hours and I can't just get where I need to go, I'm going to go insane. No, it's, it's just, it's just so interesting how this was this big experience and we got to see it, right? Like we got to see, you know, whenever the people were in first class, um, you know, they would really dote on them and get them a new drink and like interact with them and have conversations and get to know them a little bit. They would sit down with these passengers and get to know them and really there was a lounge a area experience. on the plane. And there was like a business center lounge area or whatever, right? That like first class couches. had access to. Yeah. And they literally just sat on couches and just like hung out. You know, um, and there was it, a full bar that make you full, full cocktails. Uh, they would bring meat on, you know, like a skewer, you know, like a rack of lamb, you know, freshly yep. made. You know, it wasn't made on the plane, but, you know, it's way nicer than a lot of the, you know, meals that you're going to have on, on most airlines nowadays. The, um, the nuts or the pretzels that you get. <laughs> 
hey, don't don't knock you know. my nuts. <laughs> okay, that's staying in. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So I mean, for me, for me, it really checked a lot of boxes. Um, you know, I you know casting development right the the just accuracy of of how it, you know seemed like it was back then obviously neither of us were alive um you know we only have our experience flying to compare it to well this is what i want to get into right so we should talk yeah. about some of our our highs and some of our lows I yeah because i think our yeah. listeners like to do that so so give me your high point what is your favorite part about the show you kind of already alluded to it but flesh it out a little bit more and then give me something that you think the show did poorly, right? I yeah. want to, I want to have a nuanced perspective, right? And you know, I don't think this show is perfect. So, so give me, give me your thoughts. Yeah, you know, I think um, it's, I think with Dean and Colette, I just, I think they look good together, right? Like they're both very attractive people, right? But th- that aside, their characters meshed very well, you know. Like, so Dean is kind of this like playboy looking guy, like he could be Magic Mike type of dude, like he, people, he's just freaking attractive he's a beautiful man and he knows it you know he can get pretty much any girl he's not super like promiscuous or anything but he was with Bridget at the beginning she ran away he did kind of like have his fun but then he was kind of like starstruck by Colette a little bit when he got to got to know her more and she was just kind of like free flowing just like having relationships, knowing people, never really tying herself down to anything, kind of just like, you know, whatever. And they both found something in each other that they really wanted to like invest in emotionally and, and everything. And I thought that was really cool because like they didn't seem like the obvious couple that would get together, you know, or that you would see together and they just really did. Um, I don't know. I, I just like really to cut it. in here and just mention that, you know, you mentioned Dean not really, you know, he fooled around and have his fun just for our listeners at home. That meant that he uh, he slept with a passenger on the flight who was the mistress of an executive at Pan Am who True. in her kind of, uh, you know, was clearly not a stable person, uh, follows him to Italy at one point and becomes like a full fledged stalker and then smashes her head through a window because Dean yeah. says that he doesn't want to be with her, which again, this is a period drama about flight attendants and yeah. that this is what we got. Right. And, and this her. is all amidst the drama with him and yeah. Colette kind of starting to get together. I'm just saying it's very interesting and there's more to it than just like, Oh, well they kind of were giving each other gooey eyes and then they yeah. got together. It's like, yeah. no, th- there was like some other stuff going on that Dean was really wrestling yeah. with on top of the fact that he was stood up by his fiance without a word because she was a spy. Well, yeah, she just, his fiance, so Presley mentioned, you know, she was a CIA agent. They were, they were engaged. They were on the crew together. She just literally disappeared. One day. One day she just was gone. She didn't report for work or whatever. She was just absolutely gone. No trace, no note, nothing. Nobody heard from her. She was as good as dead, right? She had to escape because she was compromised and she was ended up on a list that Kate could conveniently actually recovered and then she was able to potentially uh, assume her own identity. We didn't really get to see a ton of that. Um, but Dean was struggling with losing her and not being able to find her and Colette just stepped in as a friend. You could tell at the beginning of that that she just stepped in as a friend and then something more happened. But all that to say, uh, you know, Dean even took her Colette home with him to meet his parents and his fiance hadn't even met her, them, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that is, it, it's obvious that there was something more there 
with Colette. And I thought that was cool that they, they showed all of that and you got to see that, you know, the rest of them kind of end up with people and, and have relationships and whatnot. But I don't know. They're just the two that I wouldn't have expected together. I would have expected him and Laura together, but Laura and Ted kind of had their thing more. Yeah. Um, no, I don't know. I think that was really probably my favorite part was just the relationships. That's, that's just how I like to consume shows, the character development, the development of the relationship. All right, Andrew. So tell me what, what was it that you didn't like about the show? Cause clearly you're waxing poetic about it. And I want to yes. know the one. So, okay, let me just preface it or my <laughs> comment with this. This is going to be great. It is not a Jason Bourne CIA spy thriller action film, right? It's not an action series. It's not Jason Bourne. It's not James. Bond. I don't know. James Bond. It's, you know, it's kind of a, a dramatized, overexposed film, corny drama show, right? But the whole way that they kind of did the CIA stuff, how uh, Kate was interacting and meeting up with the CIA agent that she worked with um, and the MI6 agent who was played by David Harbour, by the way. Um, known for Stranger Things fame. Known for Stranger Things, other and, things and a few other things. Um, he does a lot of really bad accents because he's a British guy in the show for some reason, does. pretending to be a Russian guy. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was interesting. No, so, so the way that they, they kind of like pulled off her being sneaky or whatever was genuinely just bad. I, I get it that like you know maybe spy tactics and people being anonymous and and whatever is different nowadays and we see that differently in our media now but the the dude that she would report to would just show up in front of her house when her sister's right there and just be like say something to her like some code thing and then she would just leave with him in the middle of like packing their car one time for the taxi she would just walk away and just go talk to him and like her yeah, sister's yelling the out the where... window to her, like when they were going to France, right? Or Italy. Uh, I don't remember where they were going, but I remember that they basically, they forged that she had not gotten her smallpox vaccination, a thing at that point. Yeah. Which meant that she couldn't fly to the country that she was supposed to be going to, thus grounding her and sending her off on a different mission to do something else. Again, in front of her sister as they are running late to go to the airport. Um, yeah. which I do think you, you have a valid point of like, it's it, everyone kind of brushes off these random things that the spy mm -hmm. character does in a way that people would take more notice of Dean starts to notice it with Bridget. Right. And it was yes. like one of the big problems yeah. in their relationship, but it's yeah. all hindsight after the fact, after Bridget's basically out of the show and not, she tells him that he was in right. the CIA. <laughs> <laughs> she basically breaks her vow of yeah. silence about it, which I'm yeah. sure is a big deal. She doesn't uh, reveal Kate's uh, whole thing, but no, no, no. Um, okay, so yeah, so, I think that's a fair criticism. Yeah, that that and like you know, she would meet uh, Richard Parks, played by Jeremy Davidson. By the way, is is who um, is her handler? She would meet him at the same cafe, the same bar, sit at the bar where there's a waitress sitting there and they're talking about like, oh, you need to, this person is doing, trying to sell this thing to the Russians and it's going to, you know, like compromise all this these agents or whatever. Activity. And you yeah. need to do this and it's just not secretive at all. And like I said, that it's not Jason Bourne. It's not like some spy film or thriller or show. Like that's not what it's centered around. But I think that they're their method of, of showing that just was 
a little lacking. It just, it didn't seem as spy thriller or, or like, you know, it, it just, it lacked a bit of a clandestine touch. Okay. Yeah, I think um, that's fair. So, yeah, I mean, that's really my only major, major thing. Um, otherwise, I really love this show a lot. Okay. You know, no, oh, one of my other lows is that they canceled the damn show. <laughs> well, I guess that's hinting at your future star rating then. Yeah, well, it is, yeah. Uh, so, Presley, what did you love about this show? What didn't you like? I, I really like that the way the the stories dovetail into one another, that very rarely do you see one character doing one thing and it doesn't have major consequences later on for a different character. There is a time when they go to the Philippines and uh, Kate, the spy's mission, is to uh, retrieve a camera from somebody, just to physically get a camera and then take it home with her, Like the, and they'll figure it out later, right? And in the process, she leaves to go get a telegram uh, that she, that she has to do to know who to drop the camera off to, and her sister Laura, who's just having fun in the Philippines, enjoying her time, takes the camera and starts photographing things with it, and it becomes like this major plot point where they, you know, basically almost screws Kate out of the ability to keep being part of the CIA. Laura has no idea that she's done anything wrong, and from her perspective her sister is just being crazy about the fact that she used her camera for a couple shots when really it like was a very important matter of national security kind of thing. And I just like that there's always these. Yeah. Right. And there's always these like great interweavings of these little things. And, and uh, like when you, when they go to Germany to watch uh, JFK speak, you see Colette talking about her experience at the Holocaust and the way she had to learn German to, uh, to basically survive because, you know, that, you know, her area of France was occupied and then how that dovetails later on in the series when she has to speak German to people. It's just like Mm -hmm. so interesting the way that they set up and pay off, right? I love setups. I love payoffs. I love foreshadowing. The show does all that in spades in a really good way and in a way that doesn't feel like you have to be super looking to follow it. But as long as you're watching the show, you're going to pick up on the things that they wanted you to see that they were trying to set up every time. And I really like that. No, that's great. That's a good point. They do kind of plant little small seeds that that become full bloom plants later on. Um, Precisely. a A really good point. So I think it's interesting because it follows the same line of what I really liked because they also have a lot of setups that have absolutely no payoff and don't go anywhere at all. Mm. Um, you know, a good example is one that we brought up earlier when Dean is, is, um, having his little jaunt with this, this woman who, who is uh, very unstable. Um, as soon as she like has her breakdown and puts her face through a window and is left in an Italian hospital, she never comes back or resurfaces or really is ever discussed again. Right. Uh, that's the same thing with Maggie, uh, Christina Ricci's character, where she's always in a different storyline and then they barely have any payoffs, right? So she gets involved with a senator who has completely differing political ideologies from her. Like, she basically hates everything that this guy thinks politically, but they both really like each other as people, right? Because they're fierce debaters and they're really, like, independent, and I like that. And then after she writes an article about him that shows up in like a tabloid newspaper and he discovers it, they basically just drop the whole relationship. And then the next episode, she becomes a smuggler with a different person. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. 
you don't pay off this like interesting relationship and her political ideologies. And then the episode after that is when JFK gets assassinated, when we know yeah. she's been very politically motivated and that doesn't come up. Right. And yeah. so there's these ways in which they're like setting things up and then they just kind of leave them hanging. I think, uh, Ted, who is the, um, the, uh, first officer on the plane has a lot of these like pitfalls where he kind of has a story get introduced and then kind of pulled away from him. The most interesting thing by far was that when he was a test pilot in the military, he was on track to be part of NASA. And this is when the space program's really ramping up. And he was like so excited to watch one of the Apollo missions, not like Apollo 11, cause that didn't happen for another six years, but yeah. one of the Apollo missions to launch uh, someone into space. And he's like so determined and spends the whole episode just trying to figure out the antenna to work on this TV in the Philippines. And then it just doesn't come back around like that disappointment or that need for him to be successful or wanting to be a captain as opposed to just being the first officer. It just, it's like a character building moment that then doesn't and add to any character later on. Right. So yeah, it's cool they, to see him be interested in that thing, but then you never really see it develop into an action later on or a, you know, a conversation or anything like that. Well, so yeah, that, that is true. Actually. Um, there, there is a lot of those little, those little things that don't come up again. However. And I'm not saying they all have to come back up, but it, it's just like every other episode, I would remember a storyline that they brought up two episodes ago, and I was like, that was kind of important, and now we haven't heard a single thing about it. Yeah. Same thing with Bridget, right? At two episodes after Bridget's gone, you forget that she was in the series until episode like 10 when she comes back, and then two episodes later, after her and uh, Dean uh, get back together and he cheats on Colette, she leaves the series again, and she's not important anymore again. Well, and so I'm like, leads, Yeah, I mean, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was just like, why? You know. Well, so that leads into the next portion of our chat here is what was coming. What was coming in season yeah. two? I think that I would guarantee that some of those little plants that you're talking about, they don't come back, right? That happens to shows sometimes. Really, really good shows don't do that. Really good shows do that. It happens sometimes. I bet you that more time in that writer's room continuing as a project season two, some of those things would have come up and probably progressed further, right? Like I guarantee that Bridget would have come back in the series in some capacity in a different way, right? And would be involved with the crew somehow. Um, you know, you would have seen a little bit more of, of Ted trying to get to where he was on track to, when the, the, the plane failed and he was blamed for it and then he got kicked out of the army, you know, at the, at, at the expense of himself, his father protected his company, right? Because his father kind of hates him, which is also an interesting thing. He's very resentful but, of his son yeah. who he raised and taught him to be everything that he is, so it's really his fault. Um but yeah, I, I think some of those some of those things. So I think in season two we would see um, Dean and Colette together. Bridget would come back, try to be part of the crew, maybe maybe getting involved again with the CIA. Kate and Bridget doing missions together. That could have been fun. Um, that could have been really interesting. And then I think that could have maybe tied in a little bit more with my criticism, where it was like kind of obvious that some CIA shit was going down and maybe more characters realize it. And there's some of that tension there between the characters, right? Like Laura and Kate, pretty close. You know, Laura kind of notices some weird behavior, but doesn't know everything. And then maybe you see that build up, right? 
I mean, I'm just kind of spitballing here. I think those are things that potentially would have happened over seasons. So um, you didn't bring up the more interest, the most interesting thing in my opinion, which is introduced in like the last episode as like one of the major cliffhangers, right? So I'm going to introduce it for the audience and we can yeah. weigh in on this. So Ted throughout the whole uh, series has been looking for, you know, basically somebody to love and care about, right? Like it's, it's kind of a pure hearted thing. That's an interesting character arc of Ted is that he kind of seems like a sleaze bag right at the start. He's like hitting on women and he's like not really the politest guy. And he does something to Margot or uh, Christina Ricci that is not the best, but like every time you see him, he's learning and he's like growing and, you see that he's much more nuanced and more just ignorant because of the time, not because he is really a bad person. His dad sets him up with an old flame of his from like high school who really embarrassed him and didn't like him. And so he gets Margot Robbie's help to, uh, you know, basically make a fool out of her at the restaurant. But then he leaves Margot Robbie behind because he doesn't want it because he actually realizes that this woman has grown a lot and is really cool. Right. Mm -hmm. And so what we discover, right, is that Ted asked this woman to marry him. Uh, because she is not going to have sex with him until marriage and he wants to have sex with her. And so he's like, I'm going to get married because I love her, I guess, or I want to have sex. It's kind of ambiguous. <laughs> because I'm not used to waiting this long. Literally. Um, anyway, that becomes very interesting because his fiance makes out with Christina Ricci in the bathroom during mm -hmm. a party. And then we discover through conversation uh, with other characters that she is, in fact, a lesbian and is just hiding it, that she's not comfortable with men. And she is really marrying Ted uh, to, is it, I don't know what the terminology is called, but basically pretend a like beard. she is straight, a beard, thank you, to pretend that she is straight uh, so that she can, you know, kind of live a normal life and not lose all the privileges of being in her class status position because she's extremely wealthy. Mm -hmm. um, and then... At the last episode, Ted has been really interested in Margot Robbie's character, Laura. And so she, his fiance, Ted's future fiance, asked Laura to be his new her new husband's mistress yes. after she gets pregnant from Ted the one time that they have sex. And it's like, mm -hmm. what a crazy set of events. And when you think about it in like modern conversation or like shows you could see this happening in a, in a modern show and this is a modern show but to think about the context of how these conversations are happening in 1963 is very interesting to me because this was like the things that happened and it was also like really not okay to be a lesbian at that time and and so like watching it play out I, I think could have been really interesting to see the kind of differences that that would have made and how her character the fiance's character would have uh, developed as as uh, the second season went on as uh, you know Ted had a kid with her while also potentially getting with Laura who's been very resistant up till the very last episode uh, to Ted's advances. Yeah, I think you make a really good point there. It is very interesting that they kind of bring that up and have that kind of all, you know, going on. Um, because, you know, those people, um, people who are polyamorous, it doesn't even necessarily whether or not they're bisexual or, you know, any of that, people that were in those types of relationships or, you know, a man with a man, woman with a woman, uh, interracial relationships, right? Those are the people that everyone's talking about behind their back at the grocery store and gossiping about the people don't get invited to the potluck. And I think that, you know, really would have been an interesting thing to see in season two. And I bet you, you know, that was one of the big cliffhangers, right? Keeping people wanting yeah. a season two, right? Because that was right at the end. And then they celebrate 1964 watching the ball dropping. Yeah. Uh, literally ball drop in uh, New York or times, you know, times square. 
literally the last thing before the show cuts is uh, Laura's like, hey, Ted, I need to talk to you. And he's like, let's wait. Let's talk about it next year because they're mm-hmm. about to watch the ball drop. And then they watch the ball drop and the show cuts to black, right? Like yep. we're about to find out the kind of punchline of this whole thing. Um it's just interesting, and and this is what I love, and why we do this show, where we you know watch these single seasons of television, is because I love to speculate and think about what the show could have grown into and become, and, and see what could have happened, uh, you know, as these characters mature and develop. I, I think that you would have had to write some interesting stuff for some of the characters because you kind of burn through a lot in the first season, yeah. um, specifically with Dean and Colette. They have a great story in season one. Don't get me wrong. I have no idea what would make me interested about them in season two. Um, yeah. Other than Colette finding her brother, uh, which yeah. is a cool storyline. But then Dean just like being, I guess, like a second fiddle to that and just like following her along could be interesting, but I think would kind of be boring for his character. Yeah, I agree. I think that I think that could have maybe, like I said, I'm, I was a fan of Dean and Colette, but that could have maybe been like a season two or season three arc, right? You know what I mean? Just thinking about the longevity of the show, you're right. They packed in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, she could have been there for him when... Uh, you know, he went through losing literally Bridget and then she could be there through, uh, or, you know, he could be there for her through her, the discovery of her brother and processing all those emotions and trying to make up for that lost time, et cetera, et cetera. And then they get together. Right. Oh, like, can we bring up how, uh, Colette discovers that she has a brother? Cause that's one of my favorite things about the show. Yeah. 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 So, so. You, yeah, you so she's being courted basically by by a prince, and forgive me, I don't remember where he's from, but um, he's being she's being courted, and part of that process is she has to live in the palace, you know, and live with his for family six and, for six months, and kind of basically just see if there's compatibility there, see if she fits in with the lifestyle, all of that. Part of that is a very very deep dive into her family history, like like governments talking to governments, recover like like classified files type of looking into this and in the discovery portion before she's being courted by this man that's when they discover that she had a a brother yeah they basically discover a family photo of her with her parents who were not Mm -hmm. resistance fighters as she had thought she thought they had died in in like as part of the french resistance it turns out that they were they were just jewish right and and were you know persecuted due to the holocaust and that her brother was even younger than her and was adopted out from the orphanage uh when she was very young and that the the people that raised her uh, at the orphanage did not tell her which is Mm -hmm. which is kind of also crazy um but just the idea, right, like that started, that whole convolute process started when Dean cheated on Colette with Bridget, already <laughs> yeah. complicated enough, which then led Colette to flirt with a guy on a plane who was secretly a prince of a made-up country. That's why you couldn't remember it, because it's not a real country. Oh, wow, well, yeah. That then does a background check that leads her to discover that she has a long-lost brother from the Holocaust, so she breaks off her engagement with the prince to go hunting for her brother, and get back together with Dean. This show, so good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> there were so many episodes I was watching that I was like, what? Whoa. Yeah, there's like, a lot of like great, like, just, cliffhangers and moments know? where you're, you're taken aback by the, I think it's kind of clever, right? Like, there, there's a lot of clever changes in the expectations that yeah. the show establishes for you. Yep. Yeah, and like I said earlier, they didn't stretch too hard to try to to fit things in or make things happen. It just all happened fairly organically, 
in a show that's made up, which is kind of a funny way to say that. But, you know, um, yeah, it was great. Um, so, yeah, I think this season two would have been great. You know, I it's unfortunate because this show came out at a time when new television series, like the retro thing was in, you yeah, know, like there's a lot of retro like, shows coming out in the early uh, 2010s. Like mad, mad men was the best show as an example of this. It was coming yeah, out huge. at the same time, right? Like that show is massive. It's huge. It's, it's, it was, you know, I, John Hamm is amazing there. You know, there's so many great actors and stuff in that. I think they that, fly on Pan Am in mad men. Yeah. You know, um, a lot of potential with this show, but I think what happened was their ratings did drop after a little bit, you know, um, as a lot of these shows that we're going to review do, uh, but they kind of just also panicked because of that and didn't realize how, I, I just, I think they didn't realize how much of a, of a cash cow or how much of a big thing they had in that retro like throwback television series thing. You're saying you know? if they had like stuck with it during that time, yeah. they could have, uh, you know, maybe, maybe created a place for themselves amongst the Mad Men yep. and uh, some of the other kind of period yep. dramas that were, that were around at the time. I think yep. that's fair. I, think I, I don't, not knowing like all the others and knowing the details of like the ratings, I wouldn't yeah. want to say like definitively, but it's perfectly reasonable to me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I I'm not going to like, you know, go put money on that, right? Because <laughs> things happen, right? I mean, the show right. got canceled and it was great. So, like, we're literally talking about it because it was canceled. So, obviously, it it's possible that, you know, um, it may not have been that great. What I like to think about, too, is that if they had kept the show going for a couple of years, what does that change in the trajectory of Christina Ricci or Margot Robbie or David Harbour's career, right? These are uh, actors and actresses who now have quite full careers and, and have been in, you know, Margot Robbie is one of the biggest actresses on the planet right now. She's in just about everything. And, you know, if she had been in this show, would she have kept doing television and not graduated into, into film? Would she have gotten into the limelight a lot sooner with, with other projects that would have happened before her major projects? Um, you know, would David Harbour have not uh, been as kind of an unknown as he was when he got into Stranger Things? You know, he'd obviously been in other things, but he wasn't like as huge as he became. And, and so I just think about like the interesting uh, perspective that lens, because when I started watching the show, I was like, had no idea that these stars were in it. Right. And then you see yeah. them and you see them much younger than they are now. You know, it was made uh, over 10 years ago and you see the differences in the way that they are and the way that they act and the way that they feel uh, to now. And I just think it's, it's really interesting to think how this show could have greater influenced their career beyond just being, you know, a, a single season of a canceled television show. Yeah. That's, that's fun to think about. And it's fun to talk about. It's like, would they be as big? Yeah. Who knows? I mean, that's the point of the you pod, know? you know, you know, why like, we're here. Exactly. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, I, I bet you that none of those those folks wish uh, that it would have kept on because their careers are all great. <laughs> They're still doing wonderful Well, you never things, know, so. right? You could interview you know, some, you never of, really some of know, these right? people and they could have been like, man, the Pan Am, that was like, that show was the time of my life and now I do these yep. soulless things. I don't know. These, I, <laughs> I have no idea what these people feel about it, but no, I'd so like loud. to believe that they had a good time because the characters seem like they're having a good time. You know, like, I don't think that these people hated each other when they were making the show. No, no, I think they had a really good, um, you know, chemistry together, probably off, uh, off set as well. Um, I did actually read an interview um of Margot Robbie actually talking about this saying basically oh, really? she wanted to continue it and that it did die. And she thinks it's mainly because 
of that 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 thing that is so common in in cancel television that they just panicked over ratings and that right. it probably would have been decline. really good yeah. if they would have let it just if they would have just stuck with being a little uncomfortable not seeing amazing ratings not every right. show is a, is a number 1 tv show but i tell you number 2 is still pretty fucking good yeah and i mean it's so it also goes into and i'm sure we'll cover this a lot in in future episodes but the way that tv shows are rated nowadays especially with streaming is completely different yeah. from the way that they were back then with the the nielsen system which still exists but uh you know it when certain viewership people certain demographics stop watching your show your show was canceled like no ifs ands or buts sometimes four or five, six seasons in because, oh, well, we lost that one demographic that was the key to all of our marketing yep. uh, and now we're, we're done. And, and it, it, it's unfortunate. So yep. um, why don't we, why don't we get to our star reviews? I, I have a pretty good feeling. I know mm-hmm. what Andrews is. Uh, so, so give us your, your number as a review for our listeners. Uh, zero stars means that uh, whoever made the show is no friend of ours. Uh, one mm-hmm. star is like the pilot should have been seen and then they should have stopped there because it didn't deserve to do anymore uh two is like not great it was fine we we did it for you but we don't recommend it three is recommended at your own risk you know at your own peril uh take it or leave it uh we think it could be good could be bad kind of depends on your viewership and what you like four is hey this is good i think uh i think you should watch it you'll probably like it and five is like criminal crime that this was canceled and everybody should go out and watch it as soon as they can so what is your rating crime a criminal Criminal crime crime um, you know, I, I'm going to say four and a half out of five. Are we allowed to do I, half stars? I just decided that we are. Okay. Um, it's decided yeah, everyone four, four and a half, you know, the, the way you just described it, right. Four isn't quite right. And five isn't quite right. You know, hmm. um, it was, a, it was a fantastic show. It was great. I wish there was more. Um, I may at some point watch it again because I did enjoy it that much. Nice. That, but I mean, that's a good indicator that it was just, absolutely above a three yeah. if you're going to watch it again. Yeah. I just don't know. You know, I, I think about five out of five and I can already think of some other shows that we're going to be reviewing and it doesn't match up to those. Right. So maybe, yeah. maybe I'm, I'm not reviewing this one in, in a vacuum, but I would say four and a half out of five. What okay. about you? I, I will allow the half score. Um, We'll have to assess and kind of update our scoreboard rule book. It's going to take a lot of calculus, but we'll get there. Yeah. Um, I think it's very solidly a four. Um, I, I think that it's it's a very good show. I think that, uh, you know, if you look at the critical score, critics enjoyed the show, right? There, there's not really a lot of bad things other than the ones that we talked about that people have to say about the show, at least that we researched. And, uh, you know, I had fun. It was an enjoyable show. I wasn't bored. I was engaged the whole time. I was curious about where the stories were going to go. I liked all, almost every single plot point that came up, you know, barring, barring a few. And I think that most of our listeners uh, could, could definitely enjoy it. If I read the synopsis and you couldn't follow it, but it sounded like something you were interested in, watch the show, like do yourself a favor. Um, cause it, cause it's engaging. Yep. Yeah, definitely worth a watch. Um, and I guess moving into that, we, we kind of, I'm sure you can probably already assume for those listening at home uh, whether or not we recommend watching it. Definitely watch it. Worth a watch. Yeah. Do it. We watched it. Do it. It's good. Yeah, this is um, one of those times where we might have to close the show out not with our normal catchphrase because like we watched it, so you should watch it kind of. Yeah, kind of a right. Deal. I don't we know how it, we're going to so deal with you. that, but yeah. Um, but you know, this, this was a great experience and one of, uh, one that will be remembered hopefully in the annals of our podcast where, 
uh, you know, we're going to go through a lot of bad television and I'm looking forward to reminiscing about how good Pan Am was when I thought it was going to be terrible. If you listen to my reaction yeah. when you told us this is what we were watching, I was not looking forward to this one. I was yep. like, great. I got to watch a boring show about flight attendants. And here we are. Uh, and it was amazing. Yeah. You know, it is interesting. It, just to briefly touch on that, you know, when we, when we, when we were about to start it, you know, I, I, you know, I found it, I streamed it, you know, I started it and I'm watching the first few scenes and immediately I was like, this is going to be so shitty. Like, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> yeah. Be like, it does not start off like, hot. Yeah. Yeah. This is gonna be like, this is going to be some crappy lifetime movie esque overexposed shooting pile of crap and boy am i glad i was wrong i I, yeah i'll i'll we dear listeners we do not try to talk about these shows separate from the podcast we want to get each other's takes fresh as possible we try to not editorialize with each other and like sway each other's opinion prior to being on the show recording for you all um at the end of the first episode i kind of did like a check-in like oh andrew have you started watching it right and he was like oh not yet i'm about to and I couldn't help but say, like, I kind of feel like I might like this show. Like, I can't yeah. figure out if I like it yet. And then it, like, very gradually and uh, and well-formed into, like, a, a, a sincere enjoyment of the show. But then yep. as soon as Andrew had watched, like, the first two episodes, he's like, I know exactly what you mean, where yeah. I, I almost don't i feel like i don't want to like this show but it's actually really enjoyable mm-hmm. and then it turned us around and we both really liked it so i think that yep. is uh is uh, a mark of quality absolutely absolutely um i i was very very happy to be wrong <laughs> <laughs> hey i i love that's the very whole point of this show is for us to be wrong and to sometimes be extremely yeah. right speaking of um extremely right i have a fun show for us to cover next week oh okay so you've already picked our new show what it is please i'm not this is live on the podcast a reveal okay so it's called the new tomorrow okay i've not heard of um yes you have not heard of it because it wasn't on our list and oh great okay let me tell you presley the amount of times that you told me via text and in person that we were going to watch a, a different show, show. Oh. of a similar name and <laughs> darned if I couldn't mess that up still. So I found a show called the new tomorrow, uh, and started watching too much of it and then realized it was the wrong show, but it is probably going to be one of the best episodes of this yeah, podcast. It's going to be a great discussion. That I can tell by the energy you're bringing right now. It is is going to be a great episode and you are not going to want to miss it. Presley, where can they find our stuff? Um, so we are uh, online on the, on the interwebs. Our website is season one pod.com. That's season one pod.com kind of has a nice cadence to it. Um, also all of our ads uh, for Twitter, Instagram, the whatnot uh, are also at season underscore one underscore pod you know, that is how those work. Um, so you find us there. Um, and then, you know, leave a review, tell us what you think. Did you watch Pan Am? Did you hate it? Did you love it? Because if you hated it, I might not want to hear from you. If you loved it, get at us and tell us what your favorite scene was, what your favorite dynamic was. Uh, we, we want to hear from our listeners. We want to hear what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong and, uh, just, uh, start a dialogue. And, um, yeah. What, what else is there to say, Andrew? 
you know, I don't think there's uh, much else to say other than we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you listening. Thank, Thank you so you for much. Flying the for... friendly skies with us. That <laughs> Pan Am's thing. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, well, until next time, everyone, I am Presley. I'm Andrew, and we watched it. So should you. Ooh, I like that. <laughs>